Today's scripture is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, and Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 through 25. Please stand for the word of the Lord. So Acts 2, 41 through 47. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now Hebrews 10, verses 22 through 25. Therefore, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is God's word. You may be seated. Thank you, Lena. <clears throat> good morning, everybody. So how many of you are hoping that 2021 is better than 2020? Right? <laughs> Uh, how can it not be? We're kind of like, man, this has got, we've, we've got something, that, something's got to move here. Something's got to budge. Many of you are longing for the day when your kids can go back to school. Uh, some of you are, are looking forward to that day when we can actually go back into restaurants here in California or when we can, we can see the economy open back up. We're, we're hoping for the day when we can talk about COVID-19 in past tense terms, Right? Uh, it's just been one of those strange years that I don't think we're going to be telling this to our grandchildren and their grandchildren for a long, long time. Who can forget it? And yet, and yet, for a lot of us, if we look back on 2020, it kind of feels like a blur, doesn't it? Like every day sort of melded one into another. I mean, I've never spent more time in pajamas, right? I've never spent more time cooped up in my home, never more time in front of a screen looking at people virtually through Zoom, right? And so we, we look at that and like, man, I, I don't know where all the time went. Do you feel this at all? Um, and I, I look back and I think, how did I not read 50 books in 2020. How am I not in the greatest physical shape of my life? Because usually those things don't happen because we use the excuse of what? I don't have time. I don't have time, right? I don't, I don't, I don't have time to be, have, be in great shape. I don't have time to read those books. I don't have time to be uh, a better dad or, or husband or whatever it is. We kind of see time as this enemy and we, 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 we got out of something and got out of this rhythm of something and are trying to figure out what happened with it in 2020. Um, I want to suggest that maybe what happens is that when we get thrown out, I know this is true for me, when I get thrown out of my rhythm, like, like sometimes vacations are the least productive time because what happens? You sort of lose all the sense of what the boundaries of the day are. 
And then what happened to many of us in 2020 was, was what? We, we lost this rhythm. We lost this basic rhythm to our lives for a long stretch of time. We lost this rhythm that a lot of us may be pre-COVID, and I hope we've had our thinking changed, thought of as an optional part of the Christian life, but that the Bible and experience now is going to tell us is not optional. In fact, it's vital. It's one of those essential nutrients of the Christian life. It's something that many of us lived without for six months, and some are still living without, that 75% of our congregation is still not participating in. What I'm talking about, of course, is fellowship. It's the gathering of God's people. It's the coming together for the, to hear the preached word, to encourage one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody on our hearts to God, as the, as the Bible says. It's something that so many of us got out of the habit of. And I hope, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe 2020 has convinced us that it's more necessary than ever. How desperately we need to gather with God's people. So the last three weeks, we've looked at these, what we're calling them habits of grace, took from David Math's book by the same name. Of, of First, we started with the Bible. Then we looked at prayer last week. And today I want to look at fellowship. It's something that most people, when they talk about habits of the Christian life, when they talk about disciplines of the Christian life, it usually doesn't make its way into the list. They'll talk about fasting and giving and lots of things, but, but attending church, fellowshipping with God's people usually doesn't find its way onto that list. But, but I want us to see that I don't think there is a Christian life. I see this as such a, and I see the Bible saying this, as such a vital part of our Christianity. It's like a three-legged stool. You can't sit on it with, with one leg missing. It's this sort of triad of, of virtues and disciplines that each feed off of one another. I mean, think about this. Let me, let me show you something. I was thinking about this this week. If I have prayer and I have fellowship, but I don't have the Bible, probably where I will drift to is heresy. I will go off the rails in terms of my doctrine and understanding. If I say, well, what if I have Bible and fellowship, but I don't pray, then what I'm likely to do is, is fall into a place of futility. It's vanity, right? If I'm not calling on God, if I think that I can live this life without his help, it's futile, it's vain. But I think it's just as true to say, if I have, don't have the Bible, if I have the Bible and prayer, but I don't have fellowship, and I want you to see this morning, we lack stability, we lack this thing called community that God wants us to have and that he sees and the scripture is going to talk about as vital to the Christian life and how desperately we need the gathering of God's people. And so I wanted to, to have you listen to these two passages of scripture this morning. First, from, from chapter two, Acts chapter two, verses 41 through 47. And I'm not gonna take time to walk through that verse by verse. I simply wanna point out a few things. Here we have the early church, right? Here we have the church that's just been born. 3,000 people added to it on the day of Pentecost. Peter's preaching and all these people come in and the church is born. And what it says, if you look at it again in, in, chapter, in chapter two, verse 40, uh, 42, it says, and they devoted themselves, here's these people who just became believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayers. Now, we might be able to say more, but we can't say less than what was happening in that early church 
was the Bible, apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and fellowship, right? So they're coming together and to prayer. These three things that we're talking about. And if you look at it, the, the Luke goes on to talk about, man, look how winsome and amazing their common life was. I mean, awe comes upon them. They're sharing. I mean, who doesn't want to belong to a church like this? where I am being cared for. I have a need, you meet it. You have a need, I meet it. We're coming together. We're loving each other. This is an amazing place right here. But I want to just zero in on one word in verse 42 just for a second. Do you notice what he says? And they devoted themselves to these things. Now I want you to think about what it means to be devoted to something. We talk about, like if you're devoted to whatever it is, right? It could be a hobby. It could be your job. It could be your family, whatever. What does that mean to say you're devoted? At the very least, it means that it is something that in your life takes priority, but it also takes effort. It's something in your life that you don't let other things distract or get in the way of. If you are devoted to the Lakers, if you are devoted to one of the teams left in the playoffs, right, then what are you going to do? Probably this afternoon, if somebody said, can you come over? I'd love to have lunch or dinner. Yes, but I'm going to watch the game, right? That, that, that's fine, but that's devotion. It's like, I'm devoted to this. I'm going to make time. I'm going to give it priority. I'm, in fact, in some ways, things you're devoted, devoted to, you organize your life around them. They become an organizing principle for you. So, so here's the early church. And they're devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're devoted to the fellowship, which very likely means the gathered assembly and breaking bread in homes, meaning they would break off. We, you know, we, call that, we call that church on Sunday and growth groups, that kind of thing. This is something they're utterly devoted to and to the prayers. See, something you're devoted to is you're saying, look, um, Rather than anything being an excuse for not doing that thing, that thing you're devoted to becomes the excuse for everything else. You ever thought about that? Rather than, as in modern evangelicalism, rather than anything being an excuse to not go to church, church becomes the excuse for not doing almost anything else. Now, let, let me just say something. Time out here for a second. I'm, I want to just say this right. I'm not talking about you can take vacation, right? You should never miss. I, I, so let me, let me lay that down just as a blanket. Of course, we all have days off. But, but let me suggest to you that conversations, normal conversations might sound like this. Um, my favorite team is playing today, but it's during church, and so church gets priority. Hey, do you want to go to brunch today? I'd love to, but it'll be after church. Hey, want to go camping this weekend? Let's do it. 
I have to come home either Sunday morning or Saturday night because I have church. You follow me? Right, again, I'm not saying, look, go on vacation, have fun. But the normal rule is you're saying, I'm devoted to this thing. I'm devoted to the gathering of God's people. And so then you see, as you read through the rest of Acts chapter two, what happens? I mean, it's this winsome, amazing, glorious assembly of people. And no wonder when you get to verse 47, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is this incredibly amazing, like just winsome, I wanna be a part of this thing that God is doing. And people are seeing that because of their devotion. Now, I think Acts chapter two is probably the best day in the life of the church ever, <laughs> okay? So I wanna say that. This is like revival that's happening here. This is, but what we must not do is say, well, because it took place during revival, that means that we don't have, as a church, need to aspire or try to be like that. So this is why I wanted us to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Because I think where Acts chapter two says, this is, what, this is what this looks like. This is what it looked like played out. Hebrews chapter 10 says in some ways, here's how we get there. Or better yet, here's how we cultivate that kind of environment in the life of the church, okay? And so I want you to see as we walk through Hebrews chapter 10, how we cultivate that and why is fellowship, why would the writers of scripture, and there's other places we could go, say that fellowship within a local church environment is an essential building block of the Christian life, is vital, is necessary to you and me. Because it's not just a club we're a part of. It's not just a little side activity we do for an hour over the weekend. It's utterly vital for my eternal soul. So let's watch this. I want to show you three things. The first thing I want you to see, verse 22, I want you to see that fellowship, through fellowship, we help each other draw near to God. So look at verse 22. He says, and we go back to verse 8, 19. It says, therefore, this is still part of the therefore. Therefore, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now we're going to unpack this a little bit, okay? But I want you to just hear, he starts off, verse 22 and says, let us, not, hey, you there personally, you should draw near. No, he's saying this is a corporate command. This is something that happens in community. We do this for each other. In other words, my growth in Christ is a community project. It's not just on my shoulders, it's on your shoulders. And it's not just on your shoulders, it's on my shoulders. We draw near together. How? Well, he says there's a manner we draw near. He says we draw, draw near with a true heart. What does that mean? I think, I think what he's saying there is it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, not, it's sincere. It's not fake. I don't have to come and when people say, how are you doing? I'm fine, 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 fine. You know, we have finitis in the church, right? No, we, we come and we go, man, I feel, I feel broken today. I'm hurting today. Like, like there, there's the, again, I, I, in other words, I just come honestly. It's not that you always come as a downer, right? But you're coming and you're saying, I don't run away from church when I feel down. I come to church. I come with a true heart. I come, I come in sincerity, no pretense, no hypocrisy. But then he says, with our hearts sprinkled clean and our bodies washed with pure water. What's that? Is there some ritual we have to go through? 
No, this is very definitely a reference to how the Old Testament talked about the new covenant in Christ Jesus. So here's just a little sample of the new covenant from Ezekiel chapter 36. God says through the prophet, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. It's God saying, here's how we become pure. God says, I'm going to do it. And we read the New Testament, we find out that happens through Jesus Christ. In fact, that's the point of the book of Hebrews say, Jesus is the one who does this. And so therefore you can draw near, your hearts are sprinkled clean by Jesus. You don't clean yourself. You come in faith to Christ. He cleanses you. Now you can draw near with full confidence, with assurance. You can come into an assembly like this and go, I may have blown it royally this week and God is here. And because of Jesus, I'm cleansed and I don't have to live under the guilt and shame of that anymore. I can be forgiven. I can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in my time of need. And the point here is that this happens with us, not just with you. See, aren't there times, Christian? Aren't there times when we look at our lives and we go, I, 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 like, I feel broken right now. I feel like I don't have strength. Uh, depression, anxiety, whatever those things are, and, and you would come alongside me or I would come alongside you, we would come alongside each other and, hey, come on, I've got you. Let's do this together. Let us draw near. Let me bring you into God's presence. Listen, this is why we are doggedly determined. That's why churches all over are saying we meet every week regardless of how the pastor or staff feels because we all come together. We're saying let's draw near. Let's draw near to God. This is where it happens. This is where we come into that, that presence of God. And so every Christian needs somebody who will come alongside them and say, I know, I know you don't feel like it today. I know you don't want to, but I want to help you get into the presence of God. And I, I need to be that person and I need to receive that from people. And so let me just ask you a few questions as we go through this morning, okay? Ask yourself this question, in fact. Is my life moving people farther from or closer to God? Are you helping draw people near to God? What would your friends say? Dad, what would your kids say? Mom, what would your kids say? Growth group members, what would you say about each other? Like, do they, are they encouraged to draw near or are you helping them drift apart? I think it's a really important thing for us to think about. And this is what happens when we come together as the body of believers in Jesus. That's the first thing. The second thing I want you to see, verse 23, is that through fellowship, we help each other hold on to our faith. You see that? Let us hold fast, verse 23, the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Now, now what's he talking about? Hold fast the confession of our hope. He's talking about the substance of our faith. He's talking about what you and I believe. Let's just say it this way. He's talking about Christian orthodoxy, what the Bible teaches. And one of the things we're supposed to do for each other is help each other stay true to what the Bible says we're to believe, to stay true to the apostles' teaching, to stay true to doctrine and theology. 
See, it's not my job, it's not your job to constantly punch holes in people's faith to degrade that. It's for me to build it up. And listen, there's going to be pastors and professors that stand before God's judgment throne someday and says, man, you poked holes in their faith until they didn't have it anymore. You robbed them of it. And we're not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to build you up. You're supposed to build each other up. We're supposed to do this for each other because we're holding fast in our journey home. I heard Mark Dever, he's a pastor in DC this week, say that the local church is a gathering of Christians helping each other get to heaven. I love that definition. Are you helping other Christians get to heaven? Are you coming together and saying, man, part of my job is to help them get to heaven? David Mathis in this book we keep telling you about says this. He says, rightly did Tolkien call his nine the fellowship of the ring. This is no chummy hobnob with apps and drinks and a game on the tube. It's an all-in, life-or-death collective venture in the face of great evil and overwhelming opposition. True fellowship is less like friends gathered to watch the Super Bowl and more like players in the field in blood, sweat, and tears huddled in the backfield only in preparation for the next down. That's fellowship. We're not here to gather and tickle your ears. We're not here to simply come together and go, well, we did our hour. We're here because we're fighting the fight of faith all the way to heaven. So, so ask yourself this question. Am I helping people hold on to their faith? Are you? Does your influence in a friend's life, in a sister brother's life, in a child's life, help them hold on to their faith? That's what we're called to do. There's one more thing. That through fellowship, we help people develop habits of faithfulness. Look at verse 24. And let us consider, that means think deeply. Just stop right there and ask yourself whether you think deeply about this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love for God, good works in our world, we could say, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see what he's saying? He's saying through fellowship, we help people develop a habit of faithfulness which is vital to their Christian growth, vital to their soul. And, and, and we think of ways, like let's consider can I creatively consider, can I give it my best mental energy, how I can encourage others to love God, to love each other, to love the world, to love the church, to grow in their faith in that way? How? How do we do this? How do we encourage one another? Well, he gives us a negative. Don't do this, do this. What's the negative? He says, he says you don't neglect to meet together as the habit, but you encourage one another. The implication is, is that the opposite habit is the very thing that encourages people in their faith. Do you know that? Do you know this is so practical? Do you know the mere coming faithfully, habitually to church 
has a faith-building impact on those around you. And certainly on those people in your home. Fathers to children, mothers to children, brothers and sisters to one another. See, this is, this is, we talked about keystone habits last week, right? Keystone habits are these things like when you, you do them, they kind of have this ripple effect out into life. You know, like, like people who make their bed actually do better with their budgets. It's this weird kind of these, these basic things that we do. And I want to suggest to you that church, habitual church attendance might be the capital T keystone habit of the Christian life. I'll, say, I'll tell you this, that's certainly been the case for me. I have, I have had, had uh, great success and less success with various habits in my life in the Christian life, right? From Bible reading to prayer to fasting at times to trying to be habitual in my giving and generosity. Sometimes just being, you know, kind of even taking moments to, to be um, in, in, uh, secluded and just sort of listen but there, there, is, there is no other habit of grace. There is no other keystone habit that has had a greater ripple effect, a greater chain reaction in my life than merely attending church. Now you'd say, well, that's because you're a pastor. Let me, okay, but not for 15 years of my marriage, I wasn't. And it was during those times, especially but as that was a habit, how that formed and it was a catalyst and rippled out into every other habit. The reason I read my Bible is because of admonishment and encouragement in the assembly to do that. The reason I pray is because I watch people and learn and was taught how to pray in the local assembly. All of everything I have, I owe in some ways to the gathering of God's people with prayer, with the word of God. So, so ask yourself this, does my life demonstrate to others a habit of faithful church attendance? See, see hear me. How you answer that question has either a massive encouraging element to it or discouraging element to the building up of other people's faith, especially those that know you the best. They look and say, they're devoted and that devotion rubbed off on me. See, it's saying to the world, when we are habitual, when your neighbors see you get in the car and come to church and you do this every week, like you, you seem devoted, I am. Because what we do here is eternally significant. Do you know this? There's so few things in your life that you can say that about. This has eternal importance. Okay, now, lest those of you behind the camera and watching online thinking like, wait a second, we're in the midst of COVID. So let's talk about fellowship in the time of COVID. Okay, because I... I hear, I, I understand, and I want to make sure you know that I understand. And so I want to talk really to four groups of people in three ways, okay? So just follow me and, and bear with me because I don't want anybody to feel condemnation. Some of you, I pray, will feel conviction. Some of you will feel encouraged, okay? 
So, so let me talk to th these groups of people. First per group I want to talk to is people who are watching online, but you are physically able to attend in person. In other words, you're not scared. There's no emotional, physical reason you're not coming. The truth of the matter is the reason you're not coming is because you've gotten out of the habit that we talked about in 2020, and you've kind of decided that you like the convenience of your pajamas and coffee and sitting in front of a screen, and this kind of fits my lifestyle. Now, I don't know who you are. I don't have names in mind, right? So, so please, uh, like, I'm not judging anybody that I, that I know by name. I'm saying, I know that's happening. I know that's a temptation for all of us. And I, would, I want you to hear from me as one of the shepherds of this church. I love you and I'm very concerned for you. I'm very concerned for the state of your soul because of everything we just read because you are not being drawn near. This isn't happening. The gathering is not happening. The encouragement is not happening. There's things that you're going to dry up if this doesn't become a habitual part of your life. I love you. But I might even be able to say to some of you, I can't look at your heart, but to some of you, this is sinful. It's laziness. And you need to repent and you say, I'm, I'm not gonna do this anymore. Okay? That's the first group. There's a second group of people, I'd say these are people who are online, but physically unable to attend. I would put in this category, people who say, man, there's an immune you know, compromise issue in my home or in my body, or, or uh, you know, hey, I, I, I have symptoms, I, I shouldn't come, it's right. Or I'm a healthcare worker and I'm exposed to people all the time and out of love, I don't wanna come. Or I'm elderly and I'm in this high risk category. So there are, there are people, there are people even regardless of COVID would go, I just have a physical issue that doesn't allow me, my, my back is so bad. My, my, there's something so wrong that I can't sit in one of these seats. I get it, hear, hear me. Here's what I wanna say to you. We love you, we care about you and that's why we're doing this right now online. It's for people like you and we long for the day when you can be with us. And hear me, we understand. Okay, we understand. I don't know what's going on in your heart. You got to judge that. But I would simply say, nobody's judging you for not being here today. I think virtual church for everybody is less than the best, but praise God that we have this technology to be able to talk to you right now. That's the second category. Now the third category sort of has two groups inside of it. So, so let me say, it's, it's the, here's the category. People who are online but really want to attend in purpose, in person. So, so you're, 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 it's you who say, I might find myself in one of those categories, but Chris, it's not because I don't want to attend. I genuinely want to, but I feel unsafe. In fact, Foothill, we got an email a couple of weeks ago from just dear people who are saying, look, we have no issues about coming. There's an issue in our home that we, we have to be very, very careful about. And, and, but we feel unsafe because sometimes the camera pans over and there's somebody without their mask on. Or sometimes we see people in a, or it seems like everybody's kind of in each other's faces and hugging. And man, we, we, we just can't, if that's what's gonna be like, we, we can't do that. So let me say to you, if that's you, 
we love you. And I would say this, we are doing everything in our power to make sure this face. Chairs are, are socially distanced. The band is. I'm the only one right now that I can even see that's not wearing a mask. We're trying to be careful. So I want to reassure you that it's as safe as I think we can make it. We stopped serving coffee because we don't want that to be an issue, okay? But let me say something to those of us who are here. That here are brothers and sisters who would say, I want to draw near. I want to come and be in fellowship. And are you willing to be inconvenienced with a mask and social distancing so that that person can come to church? Foothill, I hope every person listening to my voice would say, yes and amen, I'll do that in a heartbeat. Because this is way more important. Listen, when I, was in, when I was in seminary, I had this assignment in one of my classes where they asked us to go to a church that was, it was on the brink of death. This church was breathing its last breath. And they, we had this little group. We went to them. We were supposed to do like consulting with them and try to help them and see if maybe they could, we could revive and help them come back to life. And so we went there and we, we sat with the pastor and he talked to us. And then we, we did these interviews with people in the congregation. One of the questions we asked the people in the congregation was this. What would you change about them? I'm not talking doctrine. Not saying compromise what you believe. What would you change practically about church if it meant that your granddaughter or daughter would be sitting next to you at church next Sunday? And almost to a person, everybody that we interviewed said, I'd change nothing. Nothing. I didn't say deny the Trinity. Let's, let's, let's question the resurrection. I was, this was not about doctrine. This is about the, will, are you willing to maybe have music you don't like? Are you willing to maybe reorganize some things a little bit differently? I could say in our context, are you willing to have the inconvenience of a mask? The inconvenience of being told we have to socially distance. You understand, listen, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir. Listen, I'm about like to say, and if you're watching online, everybody I can see right now is wearing a mask. So, so this is not condemnation to anybody here. It's simply a reminder that we don't want to be the church that starts to be on the backside of uh, the, 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 the slide into slow death because we've decided we simply will not be inconvenienced for that. I don't care what the government says. I'm not doing this because the government tells me. I'm doing this because I want us to love one another. I'm doing this because the Bible says we ought to outdo one another in showing honor. It says I ought to lay down my rights. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, that though he was in the form of God, he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He left heaven for us. He took the greatest possible inconvenience. What if just being committed to that, as much as we hate it, listen, I don't know anybody who goes, I love these things. These masks are awesome. I love my glasses being fogged up. I like breathing hot air. It's just wonderful. And I like coming to church and saying, stay away from me. 
We hate it, right? And, and good. It's okay to say this is so inconvenient and this is terrible. But I will lay down my rights if it means one more person feels safe coming to church. If it means one more person being fed from the word of God and being able to fellowship with the people of God and being able to draw near to God as we bring them. Are we willing to do that? I hope so, Foothill. I hope we're a church that will have that kind of graciousness that says because we understand that this is utterly vital for all of us. And my hope is if you're watching this, that next week this place will, will be out of room because many of you realize we're being as safe as we can and many, some of you would say, I've just been staying home trying to be convenient. And you recognize this is not an optional thing we're doing right now. This is vital. This is a nutrient in the Christian life. This is one of the legs in the stool of our perseverance as saints and our growth in community and our growth in Christ is to come and to be a part of that. And I hope that you will. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that, um, that you care about uh, every person, whether they're watching or sitting here live, God. And you have, you have given us a local assembly of believers so that we could gather together and be encouraged and develop habits of faithfulness and grow in our faith and, and war alongside of one another, not with each other, but, but be comrades in arms that help others get to heaven. And so I pray, God, where conviction needs to happen, that you would convict, Lord, where encouragement needs to happen because people feel ashamed for being away that shouldn't feel ashamed. And that, God, you'd encourage their hearts today, even in this manner. And God, for my brothers and sisters that are here today, I thank you for them. And I thank you for their willingness, God, from everything I can see, just a just a heartfelt willingness to do what's necessary because they, they see those as minor inconveniences compared to the glory that it is to come and gather with God's people. And we love you, God, and thank you for that. Now, God, remind us that we're one. Help us, even as we partake of the Lord's Supper, that we would be reminded of your goodness and your grace in our lives and that we belong one to another. We love you, we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen.